You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark and Michael, today we're uh, we're doing a light version of the Tinderbox. Uh, we're going to keep it all hockey, though. Michael and I, when we get together, usually talk about a whole bunch of other nonsense. But we're going to keep it uh, strictly hockey and very heavy on Flames content. Michael, Flames uh, take down the Coyotes last night, 4-2 to in a game that I think everybody knew the Flames should have won or were supposed to win. Um, Arizona, one of the worst teams in the league. But they played the Flames pretty tight for a little while. But um, 50 shots on goal last night. <laughs> it just seemed like at one point the Flames could have had eight goals, right? I mean, if not for goaltending on the uh, Arizona Coyotes side, this game should have been an absolute blowout. Yeah, that first period, especially 26 shots in the opening period. And the fact that they only got up 2-1 and that came in the final like 15 seconds, it kind of felt like if they didn't score that 2-1 goal, that that could have been a game where they, like you said, had 50 shots and lost like 3-2 or something. So it was nice to see them kind of get the result they deserved. But man, it like you said, I think the shots were 12 nothing before Arizona got one. It was like all flames early and they got the win, but uh, it, it could have been a lot more... Uh, decisive. I think the Coyotes were fairly fortunate. It was just four two when it was all said and done. Yeah, you looked at the the after the first period they had the the player interview. I was watching the Coyotes feed and it was Jacob Chickard and he was just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, after the period, like, they were like, "What about that team?" And his look at his face. He's like, "Yeah, they're good. They're like really good." It's like they're just like it's just like he was like, "Let's just get the next forty minutes over and get the hell out of here. This is going to be a disaster." Um, yeah, there were times last night where the Flames, it, the ultimate example of that was Johnny Gaudreau just taking laps in the offensive end with the puck on his stick last night. Arizona looked like they didn't even want to be there at times. Like, once the Flames got a little bit of a lead and there wasn't much pushback, you could tell it was just kind of like just goofing around at that point. I mean, Gaudreau flipped the puck in the air to himself behind the net and tried to bat it in. He 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 bounced the puck off the net, self-passed to himself for a feed out front to Lynn Hall. I mean, he was just like... Sutter said it afterwards. It looked like he was. He thought the All Star Game was last night. I mean, he was just out there having fun. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I was. I said on Twitter, he looks like that guy that'll come to your like beer league ice time. Nobody knows who he is. He'll come and just dominate skate circles around you, and then you'll never see him again. Like that's kind of the the vibe he had going. Especially that play on Chikrin behind the net. Like that's a very good defenseman. Like one of the better defensemen in the league, and he probably just dropped Chikrin's trade value by a uh, a couple of rounds of picks or something because that was just. It was just such a perfect like showing of how good Gaudreau was. Like he set up Lindholm for four or five one timers just in that first period that Lindholm finally got late in that period. Like he was just on another level last night. Yeah, and you think too, like with with Lindholm, I mean, practice the one timers and practice that you're shooting it like right into the goalie's chest. Like you knew it eventually he finally got that goal from the slot on the one time feed, but it was like Gaudreau could have had five assists last night. I mean, that's just how well he was playing. Um, so yeah, Flames took care of business last night. Now you never want to go into a break 
uh, with a loss like that. Cause I think that sits in your craw for a little bit thinking like, man, we lost to one of the worst teams in the league and they've already lost to the Canadians this year. So they don't need to start piling up those kinds of losses. Uh, five out of their last six heading into the break. And we all know when the flames go into a break on, on a good run, it's not usually that uh, productive on the backside. So we'll talk about that in our little, uh, we got some expectations for the second half of the season. Um, the previous night and the first night of their back-to-back, they went down to Dallas and the Flames uh, took care of business. Uh, four to three, down three to one. Uh, first time the Flames trailing after, was it 40 minutes, came back and got a win. Uh, three goals in the last six minutes of the third period. Uh, they turned it on. And that's, I think that's a signature win for Calgary this season because they're not a real come from behind, play from behind team. And they kind of just said, screw it, let's go do it. And Shillington takes that penalty and you're like, oh God, you're putting so much on the penalty kill at that point. And it comes out of the box and way too much passing, but the puck ends up in the back of the net and the flames take down the stars. Your thoughts. Well, yeah, that winning goal first of all was gorgeous. We often talk about, like you said, overpassing, but man, that's just the, I guess it was just the right number, like five or six quick <laughs> passes all between those Swedes, just having the time of their lives, setting up a gorgeous goal. And uh, yeah, like you said, I think it was one of those wins that um, should give the team a lot of confidence going the rest of the year because like we've said, they're they're a good team when they get ahead, but we haven't seen that big comeback yet from them. So to put one of those in their pocket where they know if they get down a goal or two, which will happen, especially against better teams, so they can come back and end up getting a regulation win too against the team they were right there neck and neck with for the final playoff spot. Like it was a pretty impressive game. Or at least an impressive last six, seven minutes to see them come back. They kind of turned it on throughout the third. And yeah, if they had lost that game, big swing in the standings, big swing on uh, where things kind of would have stood heading into this break, regardless of how you did against the Coyotes. So it was uh, it was nice to see them kind of turn it on and see kind of all of their lines kind of get going. I thought especially like Adam Ruzichka had a really good yeah. game against Dallas. I thought it was okay against the Coyotes. Like he's really settled in, I found as well over the last five, six game of his, I think, 14 he's played this year. So, Yeah, I like everything I've seen in Rizizka, too. I don't think he, he's, I think he's with the Flames for the rest of the season unless something goes horrendously wrong with his play. Um, he's looked really good out there. He's actually, you go through the stats, and it's probably not too surprising, seeing it's a Sutter team. He's got the only rookie points by a Flames player this year, which I think is bananas in its own right, when Calgary has so many other players that could be up there doing it. So good on him. He's playing well. But to like to go back to like how they played in that game, I like the fact that Calgary's goals to get them back in the game, other than the game, weren't, weren't exactly pretty. They weren't fancy. They were in the right spot, getting rebounds, like pouncing on opportunities. Like that to me was like, it's not always going to be gorgeous. Getting those greasy, gritty goals in the odd spots is is good. And to see them be able to do that against a Dallas team that usually plays them very heavily um, and doesn't allow, you know, four to three game against Dallas is, I mean, actually, that was, I think it was their last game. They beat them four to th- they played them. It was four to three. But like, they don't typically. It's never seven goal game when you play a team like that. So I, I was impressed. Yeah, I thought the one of the more impressive things too was that um, they started pretty well too. That was kind of the thing. Like then they gave up that kind of weird dribbler goal, and then the stars kind of just turned it on. But yeah, like you said, the stars are a team that usually once they get up, they shut you down. And even to come back against a team that has that sort of style was just. I think again, it's something they can put in their pocket, something they can carry ahead, and I think it's going to give them a lot of confidence as we kind of move into the second half of the season here. And speaking of things that happened during that game, Markstrom gets yanked. Vladar comes in, makes five saves and happens to be in there and gets the win. Uh, listening to the coaching staff afterwards, especially Kirk Muller, when they were talking to them and even, you know, most of the, the talking heads that have more access to the team than you or I have, because we have no access to the team. Um, 
you listen to them talking, it wasn't necessarily about Markstrom's performance. It was like, hey, we're going to put this guy in here. Go win the game. Come on, let's do it. And they seemed to respond. I thought, I, you know, I think most people thought Vladar was going to get the start last night. Are we running dangerously close to running Markstrom into the ground? Like, is he playing too much? Because oh, I think Vladar's got to get in at some point. He had a couple big saves in that game, too, to keep the Flames in it. Yeah, I think it's something they have to watch. I guess maybe they thought, hey, we're going to have a week off. Let's just run Markstrom back to back. And that's kind of the vibe I got when they did pull Markstrom was that, oh, they're just going to run him back out tomorrow night against the Coyotes, even though, like you said, it didn't make a lot of sense. Like, I think you do need to get Vladar going again. Like he, I don't think he even played particularly poorly. Like the last two games he played was a back to back against the Lightning and the Hurricanes on the road. Like those aren't his fault that he lost that game, those games. And for like, that's the one thing that's kind of rubbed me the wrong way about Sutter's responses to those questions is that like, oh, he hasn't played in a month and he hasn't won in a month or something along those lines. Like you kind of need to do one for the other to happen. And I had no issues with how he played the first half of the season when he did get in. So I don't know why they're suddenly so averse to playing him, especially against lesser opponents. Like against the Coyotes, it should be a slam dunk win regardless of who's in your net. I thought Markstrom was just okay last night. Like a couple of goals kind of could have had but not really like he made a few decent saves like at some point you need to get Vladar in there and I'm sure we'll see him a bit more with all these back-to-backs in the second half of the year in such a tight schedule but it's not good for a young goalie like him to have a month plus off between games like like he's gonna have at this point yeah and to, to counter like the argument like Sutter's like well he hasn't played in he hasn't won in a month. Well, really, he hasn't played. And it's not like you left him out. It's not like he went out there and lost to the Coyotes and the Kraken. You know, like he lost to the Lightning and the Hurricanes, two of the best teams in the league. Um, and honestly, and you look at a lot of those games, not a lot of it his fault anyway. So I, you got to get the kids some some ice time at some point. I like that he played a little bit uh, when they yanked Markstrom because Markstrom wasn't exactly great against Dallas. I thought the first goal last night was a little bit soft. It may have changed slight direction, but his glove was in position. And he looked like he tracked it the right way. I just, so, you know, maybe some time off will work, but with the flames coming up seven games in 12 days, they get that home stand where like they're going to have to play Vladar at some point because there's a couple back-to-backs in there. It's a brutal schedule coming up. And again, it's not like Vladar is Jonas Hiller out there stinking it up. You know, Vladar's a he's been he's played well, so um, you know I think he needs to see the ice more. Um, speaking of somebody who's come completely around and just keeps impressing me more and more with each game is Blake Coleman. Uh, Coleman's you know defense was fine all season. He's been great on the penalty kill, but his offense has picked up. He's got points in eight of his last thirteen. He had a three point night last night with the opening goal and the closing goal. Um, beautiful tip out front for the fourth goal for Calgary. Um, yeah, Blake Coleman. I mean, he's got eight things good. 18 goals at this point. It's not going to, or he's close to that. I think he's not going to, no, he's not 18 goals. I'm sorry. He's got 10. He's not going to reach like his career high, probably of 60, uh, 36 points, but like, you know, he's going to get close to that. And I think he's been everything advertised now that the offense has joined in your thoughts. Yeah. I think with Coleman, a lot of what we could have seen early in the year, like, like you said, I was, I was fine with his defensive game. I thought he was mm-hmm. good PK, kind of a good two way guy. And I think a lot of the offense is kind of just coming as he's finally settling into a set role and a set line on the team. Like the Manjapani Backman Coleman line has been probably the best line over the last five or six games, I think. Although as good as the Gaudreau line has been, like it's they've been one A, one B, those two lines. And yep. I think now that he's settled into that role, you're really seeing him start to get things going offensively. Like the other side of that too is that he just spent two years with Tampa, made two long runs, and you I can't 
blame a lot of new free agents. They often take a little bit of time to settle in for their new team, especially someone like him who's played a ton of hockey the last two years. So I think we'll see him reach his kind of regular like 20 goal, high 30s, low 40s points by the end of the year now that he's starting to heat up. And at the end of the day, that's kind of exactly what we were expecting when they brought him in. So I have, I'm, I've been very impressed lately how he's been stepping it up offensively, but like I didn't really have any issues with him before either. So it's nice to see it all coming together. No, same here. And I love that he's got a little bit like all of a sudden he's got this anger thing, like a chip on his shoulder. You saw like one of the faceoffs the other night, last night he was out in the wing and he was going at it with somebody where they had to break them up, you know, and then it's some, I didn't, I wish I had caught the number. I watched the highlight a hundred times and I couldn't see the number, but he literally obliterated somebody into like a pink mist along the boards. He hit them so hard. They exploded, which led to his, and a couple of minutes later, he scores the goal. Like he's just been, he's been like, he's been feisty and he's, always plays good defense and now the offense is coming in. I think he's been fantastic. And if you want to talk defensemen, I literally had the my finger on the send button on a tweet last night that said, I don't care if Chris Tandev never collects another point with the Flames. All I want to do is watch him play defense. And then he explodes. That's like what a game for Chris Tandev last night. I mean it's just you know it's every there was like seven or eight tweets last night that kept thanking Benning for just letting him go so the Flames could get him. Uh Tandev, right? It just it's just unbelievable. It's so good to see someone like him who does like every all the little things right, especially defensively when he finally gets rewarded with especially with a four point game. Like usually it's nice to see him get a point or two here and there, but to see him kind of in a way you could say carry the offense last night by grabbing four points, like it, it's just another little uh bonus on top of what he's gonna do for you defensively. He's done so much to get Oliver Shillington up to being a no questions asked top four defender in the NHL, and then yeah, to see him get some points, I uh we have no complaints there when he's uh, driving some offense as well as probably shutting the team, the other team down for, or at least saving a couple goals on the other end as well. So yeah, hats off to him. Hats off to Jim Benning for letting him go. Um, I was just thinking last night, like at the time, it seemed like such a questionable contract. Like this was kind of hot off the heels of like his true living's last big signings were like Neil and Brower were kind of like, Oh, this is yeah. going to be, it had a lot of potential there. He was a bit of an older guy kind of starting to decline a bit in Vancouver. It had a lot of potential to be like the next big mistake in free agency. And he's been anything, but he's been the perfect fit for this team the last two years. And like, he's shown no signs of slowing down yet. So like only two more years on his contract, too. I think it'll be a good fit there. And yeah, I don't miss TJ Brody. Like I kind of felt bummed <laughs> when he left at the time. Cause he'd finally had a good year that year before. Yeah. But man, what a perfect like replacement that's done so much more than what Brody even did for the team. Yeah, and even that, and even Travis Hamanick, like thinking of those guys too, like you don't miss any of those. I remember when Hamanick came in, I was like, oh, that's a great deal. We, you know, the Flames stole Hamanick from from New York. This is awesome. And uh, I mean, and now you're like, eh, they were. I mean, if if you had kept Giordano and Brody around, you're not getting that production that you're getting out of any of these guys. And it's finally cleared the deck for a player like Shillington who. I mean, this times where Shillington's out there on the ice with the Goudreau line and Shillington's like, nah, Johnny, I'm pushing the play. I'm bringing the puck into the end. And he flies up the ice. He's He might be one of the Flames' top top three skaters. He's just that good. Like, it's I don't remember a time covering the Flames or watching the Flames in recent memory where you've been like, man, this defensive, at least four of the six defensemen are amazing and that good. So it's nice to see. And well, as we always, we gush about Johnny Goudreau. Uh, the bottom pairing hasn't been... I mean, Goodbranson had a... He had a missed uh, communication last night that led to a goal on the ice, but I'm not going to fault at Branson because he took on the league's leader in fighting majors and Liam O'Brien, who decided to pick a fight with him. And like, wasn't even that wasn't close. smart. 
no good Branson just beat the snot out of him last day he cut him open in two places and like good Branson was like eh, whatever like brushed his shoulder when he was done I'm like you know, I'm like I don't think Liam O'Brien understood what he was getting in with there also good Branson's a pretty big guy he's taller than him too but um and Zadorov looked pretty good last night too I don't I don't you know they've played pretty decent you know I think that's going to be our our thing with that bottom pairing is it's going to be a couple games up a couple games down a couple games up I don't think you're going to see that's going to be the consistency am I wrong there yeah it's it's kind of a weird situation with that bottom pair. I was looking at some of their like uh, statistics yesterday, and for whatever reason, both players only like perform well when they're playing with the other player. Like if they're with any other pairing or like any other uh, defensive partner, both of their numbers just fall off a cliff. So it's one of those things. Like people always talk about, oh, we need to bring in like one more defenseman to kind of round things out. Like if you're replacing one on the back end, I think you'd have to replace both to kind of really do the job because like good Brantz's numbers especially fall off a cliff when he's not with Sidora for whatever reason. So it's like one of those yeah. things where it's together. They seem like they're still not great. Like they're still going to make mistakes. They're still going to be busted coverages and turnovers, but I would say around the league, like almost every third pair is probably going to have that happen on a semi-regular basis. Like you're, you're a third pairing defenseman for a reason. If you were a second yeah. pairing guy, you'd be on a team most likely that needs a top four guy. So I think the overall, like you kind of just keep riding with them. Like you said, there'll be ups and downs, but for whatever reason, together they seem to be, uh, what is it, a greater than the sum of their parts kind of thing. <laughs> so I think you just ride it out and uh, hope for the best and then maybe start fresh in the offseason if you want to look for other guys. But I, I don't have any issues with them right now. Yeah, they're kind of like when you go to like the. Uh... The uh, when you go to adopt a pet and there's two dogs together in a kennel that are brothers, you have to take them both. You can't separate them because it just doesn't work that way. That's how I kind of look at them. And I'll be honest with you, and I know it's it works out well because it's they're on the ice with who they're on. But I love watching those two play when they're out there with Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk. Like that five for some reason, those three on offense and those two knuckleheads on defense, it really works because Zadorov, believe it or not, when he pushes the play with the puck on his stick, he can skate, he can move. That's when he's at his best is when he's being an offensive defenseman. So, um, yeah, um, you know, it's, I feel like that's our weekly update on like, should be like the, how's the bottom, how's the bottom D pairing doing? It should be its own little segment, but I'm good with them. By the way, speaking of this Adorov, I thought it was funny. The flames do this segment called this or that, where they sit down with a player and they ask, um, they ask if, uh, you know, like, do you like dogs versus cats or this versus that? They were going through it with uh, Zadorov and they asked him speedo or jorts. And he instantly didn't even think he's like. Speedo, it's more the Russian style. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> no, no one's looking for that big guy. No one's looking for that. Uh, so that was one of his things. And he likes lasagna, even though his wife does all the cooking. Uh, so, yeah. So if you're at the beach and you say Big Z, just look the other way. Um, on the other side, second half expectations. They've reached you know 42 game point. We're at the all-star break. Uh what are you looking for in the second half? I I would think a little more consistency. That's what I would look for. Uh, but what are you thinking? I'm just I I would just say kind of more of the same. Like uh, they seem to kind of found their identity. They're I don't think we're going to see them averaging like what I think they're in the mid to high 40s for average shots in the last seven or eight games. Like I don't think we'll see that, but I think we're seeing a team right now that's driving the play, that's outchancing their opponents on a regular basis. I think if we see that. I don't know. I don't think it's crazy that they're going to, they could challenge Vegas for uh, first in the Pacific at this point, Vegas only a few points ahead of them. The flames still have a good number of games in hand. Like I know the, the Knights have Eichel coming back, which is going to be a big question in all this, but 
I don't know, new guys sometimes take a while to settle. If the Flames can kind of come out of the break with all those home games and uh, keep things rolling, especially their first game against Vegas, like, I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility they could uh, have a, a very good chance at winning the Pacific. At the very least, I think they're a top two team in the division with the, how they're playing right now. And in terms of expectations for like individual players, you kind of just got to hope that first line stays humming along at their ridiculous rate. Um, maybe a bit more from a guy like Dylan Dubé or Sean Monaghan, but I think at least one of them might be replaced by the deadline anyway, so that's not a huge ask. I think this team is ready to take a step, and it's really... Once we get to a certain point of the year, it's just going to come down to, okay, what are they going to do in the playoffs? Because I think this is a pretty no-questions-asked playoff team. So I think at some point it just almost comes a waiting game to see how they perform once the, the chips are down in the postseason. Yeah, and I I definitely think unless the wheels come off completely, like and something goes horribly awry, they just they're, there's too much talent on that roster, and they finally have the coach to put it all in motion. I'm with you on the Dubé and Monahan thing. And at this point, something I never thought I would have said at the beginning of the season, but I think Dubé is the guy you replace. I think Monahan's played well enough. Uh, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna go streaky and that's just how it works with him. But if you can get, you know, we joked, you know, he's never going to get to 20 goals. He could push that at this point, you know, even if he gets to like 17, 18 in his condition and how he's been playing, I think that's a win for the Flames. Um, and they're getting offense. Secondary scoring has really come alive, which is nice. You mentioned the shot totals, too. I think the stat was in their last seven games, they've had 308 shots. Like, that's it, just that's not going to happen all season. I mean, you had a 62 and a 50 game in there, you know, so you know, 112 of your shots came in those two games. But still, in you come back and they're going to be tested right out of the gate. It's a back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Vegas and Toronto. Um, and they're at home where they haven't played particularly well this season. So, um, you know, it's it's Vegas, Toronto, and then you got Saturday, you got the Islanders, and then it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. It's Columbus, Anaheim, and the Kraken. And then you've got the Jets is the final one at home, and the Jets have kind of fallen off too. So, what looked like maybe at one point was going to be a brutal schedule. It's going to be brutal dates wise, but I think the matchups are fairly, um, I think they're fairly good matchups for the flames other than coming out to the buzzsaw that's Vegas and Toronto and back-to-backs after the all-star break. Yeah. I think you got to kind of just hope at this point to split Vegas and Toronto. I think those are going to be two very tough games. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be Jack Eichel's debut by the ninth. We'll kind of see where, he's at because i know he's been practicing for a while now it might not be quite this early but that's just something to watch um those other five games though like there's no reason the flames shouldn't win four out of five if they're playing well at home like yeah islanders uh kraken are all are both well out of the playoffs the jets are struggling right now and the blue jackets and ducks are also very beatable teams at home so i think it's a good chance for them to really uh gain some ground on Vegas, maybe even jump into first if they can beat the Knights that game. Like that's the big game, I think, is that Knights game trying if you get two points on them there, it makes things a heck of a lot closer versus if Vegas wins, they really pull away a bit. So I think it's a great chance this month for to see really what this team's made of. And then from there you can kind of decide what you want to do at the deadline after that. Yeah, and I think young with you, the first two games are the big one, and then I think the final game to close out the month versus Minnesota at home. The Wild always play the Flames tough. The Wild are a good hockey team. Excuse me. So I think those are your, your three big ones in that stretch. Ducks always play them tough. You saw them. They almost laid an egg against Vancouver. Vancouver's in there. They got to go to to play the Canucks. But um, I think this is a team that 
should roll those teams. And even a team like Columbus, I mean, Columbus looked like they didn't even want to be on the ice the other night. St. Louis is a team that's going to fight back. I just don't see Columbus coming in and being like, oh, we remember what happened. We're coming to get you. I just don't see that. Columbus is just not, it's just not there. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think second half, just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. You know, if you find a piece that you need, make the move, you know, push all your chips in, you know, you've got three of your better players are free agents at the oh, four, actually of your better players are free agents at the end of the year. So let's, you know, the flame should definitely, I think put all your chips in, go for it. You got, if you give them some rest, you got an all world goaltender in there. Who's played extremely well this season. You've got good defense. You've got, you've got the offense, you've got the coach. So yeah, I'm with you. Just, I think pedal to the metal once you come back out and just roll through that Pacific and see how it goes. So, all right, that's going to wrap up our Flames talk for the first half of the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to look at the All-Star Game, a semi-controversial ad to the uh, to the, uh, the Metropolitan Division with Alex Ovechkin not taking in. One of his teammates took over his spot, and there's been some confusion as to why he's there. Uh, we also got an old face coming back to the NHL All-Star Skills Competition that hasn't seen uh, NHL ice in a while. And uh, Garnett Hathaway doing some damage against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll talk about all of that when we come back on the Tinderbox. And welcome back to the Tinderbox, the other podcast for Matchstick Fan Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark and Michael here today. Um, the All-Star Game, always this snubs. There's people that are mad. Uh, Wilson, Tom Wilson, taking over for Ovechkin. Uh, not a lot of people happy that he's going to the All-Star Game. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh... Can you get suspended at the All Star Game? That's what I want to know. Like, is, <laughs> is he just gonna like everyone's gonna be out there going for a skate? And he's just gonna run somebody over and like give someone a dirty hit in the All Star Game? Like, can you get suspended from that? That's what I need to know at this point. Like, yeah, it's it's like, such a bizarre ad for a player that like nobody else around the league likes. So, yeah, it's I, I'm not totally on board with. It. I know he's like a decent player skills wise, but feels like they could have gone somewhere else with that. Would that be like Evander Kane getting the last man for the for the Pacific with Edmonton, just dropping him in the All Star game for no reason? Um, uh, Mano Rayom coming back to uh, play in the NHL Skills Competition. She's going to be one of the goalies. I'm uh, probably maybe in the Breakaway Competition. Uh, 1992 played some exhibition games for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Extremely, it, just a very very solid, amazing, great hockey analyst. Um, Talented hockey player, uh, very. I'm, I'm excited to see, and it, it doesn't feel gimmicky this time. Like it feels like this is something that's deserved. You know, the the NHL is always talking about hockey's for everybody. I'm doing air quotes because we know how that works at times. But um, uh, your thoughts? I'm I'm excited to see her back on the ice playing goalie. I think it's I think it's great for the league. I think it's somebody that young girls can look up to. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's really neat. I know they probably couldn't do quite the full female hockey thing like they did the last all-star game because the women's hockey is actually going on at the Olympics right now. So they couldn't yeah. quite fit it in this year, but I think that's really cool to see her out there. I think it'll be another, it'll be a cool add to the all-star game. I really liked when they did have the female players in the skills yeah. contests a few years ago. That was a nice uh, change of pace for it. So I think it's going to be, um, it'll be good to see her out there. And I don't know. I, I'm more excited for the all-star game this year for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because we've had a couple years off now, but for whatever reason, I'm looking forward to like the three on three tournament, even the skills contest, which is usually a bit, I, I would say gimmicky, but like, I don't know. It's, I still have fun watching and seeing who's like in the hardest shot, like the traditional ones, like the accuracy shooting. Like I still have fun watching those. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Are you looking forward to the brought out on the boat to the fountain competition? (laughs) Whichever part of that is. Then there's one they're doing like a street hockey one where they're hanging giant cards in the street and you have to like get to 21 without going over 20. I get it. It's gimmicky. It's a skills thing. But uh, Johnny's the only one there. Goudreau, I'm assuming you're going to see him in the breakaway competition. Um, I don't really see. I mean, they had that that crazy, the stick handling one he did a couple of years ago, which where he was absolute bananas in, but I don't see that one on the list this year. So I'm guessing he'll probably be in the breakaway one. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be in that. Um, it's a, sh- it's a shame. Cause he always did kind of, he dominated that puck handling when the few years oh. he went, like where you put it through the, uh, you lift it up, put it through the targets. Do, that It's, yeah, it's so cool. That's what I do like about the uh, skills contest is you really see like how good these guys actually are in the, like in a non game setting where you just see like the ridiculous handles that like, normal people like us couldn't even like process just watching it, let alone doing it with our hands. So I, I hope we see him in a few more. Like, I think like you said last night against the coyotes, he looked like he was already in that uh, all-star game vibe that, that especially that play where he brought it over the net and tried to bat it in. Like yeah. if he scores that, that's on the highlight reel all season long with the lacrosse goals we've seen from other guys. Like it's crazy what he can do right now. Yeah, I, it's crazy like what he did, and it's still not getting that much love that he even tried it. And I feel like if Zegers tried that, it would be everywhere. It would be on the front page of every website. It would be um, speaking about the NHL. Um, the Kraken last night got their first ever shutout right, in franchise history, a three nothing win. Uh, Grubauer was a net, and ESPN congratulated them and congratulated him on getting the shutout and put the wrong goalie in the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like I look at things like that and I'm like, you are the flagship network in the States for this sport. Like you are the NHL's like distributor of games and you can't even get the goalie right. Like in the graphic, it was just one. It just seems like one of those ESPN things where ESPN is trying to really prove that they like hockey. And they're like, oh yeah, that other sport happened. Here's a guy who did something. Um, so yeah, I thought that was just a little bit weird because the, 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 you know, you know, Twitter gets everything Twitter's trigger gets, you know, trigger somebody on Twitter, but I thought that got some, a little bit of push today. And I thought it was kind of funny. They're doing their best, but yet they kind of, they could do a little bit better. At least they don't have a light up puck that you're tracking. Right. So we got that going. Mm -hmm. I could get, I could get talked into that again. (laughs) I thought my wife was saying that one day. She's like, it's so hard to follow the puck. I'm like, the X is white. The puck's black. How hard is it? It's not not that hard to follow. Anyway. um, Yeah. I don't think we need the red for slap shots, green for wrist shots, blue for icing (laughs) or whatever the hell it was. The color coded puck. Um, Speaking of good things happening last night, uh, former flame and one of my favorites, I was disappointed when he left because he was going to be my next Jersey because I'm, I just loved him as a player. Garnett Hathaway making flames fans happy from Washington last night absolutely annihilated Connor McDavid. McDavid pulled his head up in the slow motion replay after he dumped the puck with Hathaway bearing down. Him. It was like, Oh, boom. And Hathaway just absolutely annihilates and a clean hit too. very good, clean, hard hit. But it, I was just waiting for him to be suspended because he skated near McDavid. Yeah, it was, it's kind of fun to watch. And uh, the Oilers were not happy about that because he'd also put a, a Vander Kane into the bench <laughs> earlier in the game too. Like, Yep. I, I was saying last night, is that is it is he in a forever aflame territory now after a game like that? Like that was he's had a subtly like pretty good few years in Washington now too. I was kind of with you that I'm I was bummed when he left, but yeah, that was a lot of fun to just watch him just take it to the Oilers. And it's like usually in an interconference game, like you don't see a lot of those like big hits and rivalry things going on, but uh yeah, that was uh pretty funny and watch him take some cross checks, draw a penalty after that too. Like 
good on him. He was always kind of a disturber with the Flames, and to see him do that now at the Capitals, uh, yeah, I I am very happy with him right now. Yeah, it was just it was fun because he's from that era of like the guys that were like the unsung like like you know shit stirs, but actually played pretty decent hockey like him and Furlan, you know those guys when they were in Calgary. And um, I always wanted Hathaway to get his shot with the Flames, but he, like you said, he's played really well in Washington. And it's like there must have been just a little bit of Battle of Alberta stuck in his head last night. The hit on Kane was funny. He annihilates him along the boards, and then he just takes him, dumps him into the bench, which is great. And then he moved his leg, and he just gave him an extra. I'm like, no, you stay there. Like you don't come over the bench. So yeah, two big hits, uh, both of them clean. So good on you, Garnet Hathaway. We're proud of you. Uh, and yes, forever a flame. Put the 64 slash 21 up there and leave it up in the rafters and let it go. Um, anything else you want to hit upon before we get out of here? Uh, I think I'm all good today. I'm uh, I'm feeling good about the flames. Uh, let's see if they actually uh, you know finish off with a strong second half. All right. Well, we got skills competition coming up Friday night, and the All Star game is actually on Saturday afternoon. So it's a pretty like it's a it's a decent time for you to watch games. They're not putting it on on a Sunday night at six o'clock, which is always a weird time. The NHL always seems to do fun things at weird times, like the Hall of Fame thing was on like a it was like a Monday at seven or some weird time like that. So it's nice to see them actually being like, hey, you know what? Play the game on play the skills competition on a Friday night, and then do the the game on a Saturday, and you'll probably get more viewers that way. So. Awesome. All right. Well, Johnny Gaudreau is the only flame going there. So if you're interested in catching Johnny, uh, skills competition Friday night, all-star game on Saturday. Uh, flames come back on the 9th, as we mentioned, February 9th. That's a game against Vegas, which is a very important game. And then they got another one on Thursday, back-to-back versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, or Amazon Music. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you can find this episode, past episodes of The Tinderbox, past episodes of Mark and Mike's Musings, and past episodes of Behind Enemy Lines. We thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Tinderbox. Box.